podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7 liter high output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power. Whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks. This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Childs back here again. I haven't done a video in a couple of days. I've been recovering from an illness, which I think I may get again based on watching Chelsea, which is kind of how this season has gone. And I was a little bit busy last week, so... Didn't really make any videos on the Wolves and Real Madrid games, which was a bit of a shame. But given how both of those went and given how today went, uh, wasn't a lot to say in terms of anything new based on this season. And reviewing this game, Chelsea won, Brighton 2. Chelsea, another defeat. Two defeats to Brighton, which of course you, you throw out the expected irony, of course, of what's taken place between both of those clubs this season. I cannot say that I am remotely surprised by the result today or even the performance. I have to be just completely blunt about that. I, I think that a lot of the people I met before the game and just the feeling in and around the stadium was one of dread before the game even kicked off. And to be honest, the game played out like that. You know, Chelsea looked a team of individuals, looked like a team who had had three head coaches within one season, had spent a lot of money on, on a lot of players without a coherent plan, you know, Chelsea and Brighton, there is the antithesis, you know, in terms of what Brighton are, uh, a well-run club. We've been through all of this, their structure, being able to change a head coach, but still keep a progressive style of play that has meant that they are well within reach of European football and look like a team that just were going to overwhelm Chelsea throughout the game. I think 2-1 is actually a bit of an unfair scoreline. I think it, it doesn't paint the full picture of a game that was very much dominated by Brighton throughout a few spells where Chelsea created some pressure. Um, but it was so clear who the better team were. You know, I think it's, it's going to be weird analysing until Chelsea get to that magical 40-point mark so we kind of guarantee safety. Um, it's going to be weird analysing the rest of this season because in terms of Frank probably not being here beyond the, the end of this season, so kind of analysing player decisions is a little bit weird because we don't know what the next coach, who the next coach is going to be and what they are going to do with these set of players. But I think... What rubber stamps today's result and performance and, and recent performances is kind of how big of a job it is. Because I think culturally, I think there's a lot of problems at the club, obviously. And, you know, some of those I think have been created this season by new ownership. Some of those I think are more longstanding. And I think it really, from a coaching point of view, if you're coming into this job, how big of a job you have to try and reinstill some confidence in some of these players in being able to have the assurance that this squad is going to be cut down and trimmed down massively and players who have been failing consistently will not be here next season and being able to reinstall some belief within this ground Stamford Bridge that has become a place for disappointment a hub for discontent you know that's kind of the way Stamford Bridge is now I you know I, I walk out that ground and I I'm so used to the, the trudge home and the disappointment walking out of Stamford Bridge and that's a very big thing that I think a new head coach is going to have to deal with and overcome. It can be overcome quickly with good results, obviously. But, you know, from the character wise, from the from 
looking at those set of players. And it has been radical change with some of the signings that have come in. But, you know, I've seen three head coaches this season and I've seen equally hapless performances and I've seen performances of such a lack of resilience. And, you know, these are intangible things that, you know, don't relate to the tactical side of the game, which I do think Frank Lampard was massively exposed today. I felt Chelsea was set up in a way where... We were very easily bypassed in central midfield. I thought the gaps between players was bad. I thought that Brighton exploited that very well. I thought they played within the lines. Particularly in the first half, I thought they got the ball out to Matoma um, against Trevor Chalabar. There are a few moments where Trevor Chalabar, you know, I thought put in a really good tackle. But they exploited Chelsea and they, you know, they played inside and then got out the width in the way Brighton are able to do that. And, you know, it was it was staggering really that it was only one goal we conceded at half time and you know it says so much about Chelsea and kind of the differences in productivity and value between both sets of squads that you know they get an injury to Ferguson a young player who, who's done a lot of good in recent weeks and then they bring on Danny Welbeck a more experienced player and he scores with pretty much his first opportunity and you just see that again and you, you know you see the the winning goal from Francisco, who, you know, a, a staggering strike. or it's a, it's a good strike, but again, I mean, I'm not going to try and sit here and tell you that Kepa doesn't have previous with this. And, you know, the, the trend is, is so clear now that you do wonder why Edward Bendy wasn't playing. Um, and I, I, I do lack some sympathy now with Chelsea head coaches who continue to play Kepa because you play with fire, you get burnt type thing. Kepa is what Kepa is. I You know, I don't really blame the player anymore. I start to look at the coaches and I start to say, why are you playing a player who does have these limitations, severe limitations? But again, you know, if I'm looking at sort of the who's playing, who's not playing, I, I think that the, the two big things is if you're a coach looking at this situation of what is there to gain coming in and potentially how your reputation could be harmed, given how much of a basket case Chelsea does look like at the moment, um, what you're able to accomplish, you know, if you're going to be given the time, if there is an appreciation that although things can be a lot better, it's not going to go back to Chelsea competing for the Premier League title next season. Will you get that patience? Will the will the, the club allow that in terms of fans allowing that? You know, given how um, divided things are currently, how fractious, as I say, the relationship between the squad and the fans are. You know, I think these are things that sure may may not sound that important from the outside but I think they're very important in terms of reuniting a club I think from the the ownership side who you know have a lot of egg and egg on their face at the moment you know there needs to be appreciation of, of what character you need to get in this exhaustive process of bringing in a new head coach you need to bring in a head coach who is is going to have the weight of character to be able to handle this dressing room and to be able to command something and um have that force of character that the best Chelsea coaches have along with a tactical plan that isn't going to mean Chelsea are going to be outplayed consistently. I think that's one of the things, you know, Lampard has spoken very well and I love seeing him, he's my hero, but there, there's no denying that he lacks the, the tactical sort of um, nous of a lot of the other coaches, um, you know, which is why this is very much a, a, a brief run where Frank is probably, like he was in 2019, one of the only people to take the job and they've got to get the next guy right. They really do. And I do, you watch performances like this, despite how good of a team Brighton are, and you just, it, it's not even mediocrity. It, it's below that. I mean, Chelsea are, are slipping towards relegation trouble. And it's very hard to see when, you know, I kept on saying this throughout the season. I said it under Potter. I said it under Thomas Tuchel. When you have 
a group that can't deal with, with moments of adversity in a game. I know I keep on saying this and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record. That is a major flaw within a football team. Um, no matter how talented, no matter how expensive you are, if a collection of individuals cannot withstand the rough and tumble, the peaks and troughs, you know, the ups and downs that comes with a football season, you're going to really struggle. And, and I think that the that was an issue today. But it wasn't the case that Chelsea were dominant and then they had, we, we've seen in games this season, Chelsea have good periods in games and then suddenly the opposition score and it, you know, Brighton were dominant from the first moments. I mean, it really was a case where you had the Conor Gallagher goal, which was a deflection that does Robert Sanchez. But really, other than that, in the first half, it was very much Brighton building up, having that repetition, having players, even ones that came off the bench. Remember, Brighton had to make two subs in the first half for injury. You know, and it, you know, it says so much about the unity and the clarity of, of profile of player that De Zerbi makes changes and brings on players who impact the game. I believe both subs scored. I think they did, yeah. Both subs for Brighton, uh, two of them scored goals. When does that happen at Chelsea? You know, when do you see players come off the bench who add equal or even more value? The players that start often don't seem to have much of an idea. The players that come on don't seem to add much impact. I think that the criticism, you know, Frank, of not playing Edward Mendy... Not seeing the likes of Nori Manawake, who I felt this is a perfect opportunity for, for him to start. Um, David Datcher Fafana, even, I know Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang obviously is, is a divisive figure. But again, we're watching a team that has no centre forward. And you're sat there and we're, I'm watching a team playing high balls into the either direct to the centre forward that isn't going to be there to win the ball against Lewis Dunk. Or I'm seeing a cross being put in with no one, no one going in there. You know, it does. It speaks to tactical incompetence. You know, that's what it speaks to. Um, I think it'd be naive and, and disingenuous for people to try and claim that started today. Um, I think more my problem with, with, I think the problem you could assess Lampard is that, yeah, but we got outplayed from Brighton earlier in the season as well. You know, this is, this is again, I, I think that it's, it's very simplistic to just say we are in the mess we're in for a variety of reasons. It's not just simply the head coach has come in. I think people from the outside who like to talk about Lampard's uh, failures as a head coach will pin this all on him. But as a club, you know, you have three coaches in a head, three head coaches in a season. I think you get what you deserve in, in truth. You, you get a team that looks so disorganised and, and lacking confidence and, you know, I think it's a real job now to see where Chelsea are going to get points. I mean, I, beyond what happens on Tuesday against Real Madrid, which is, you know, th there was a lot of analysis about Real Madrid. And, and to me, I don't think it was that amazing in terms of um, the fight and the resilience. I think that Madrid looked like they were playing at second gear. And it really does concern me what's going to happen on Tuesday, particularly a home crowd, if, if that turns. And then it becomes very, you know, Madrid score first and suddenly the game... They, they score a second, which is more than possible with the talent they have at their, their disposal, what that could be like inside Stamford Bridge and what that night could represent. And you just look at some of the opposition Chelsea still have to play. They still have to play Arsenal. They still have to play Newcastle, Man United, Man City. Um, you know, but even any club at the moment, particularly when it's at Stamford Bridge, I, I, you know, you have such a lack of faith that the, the, the players are going to be able to respond. Um, really, it's not even a, a handful. It's, it's, you know, we've got the Borussia Dortmund game recently. There's been other occasions earlier in the season where Chelsea players have turned up. But it's been so rare that you know you are just kind of turning up and, and hoping more than anything that something's going to... The, the players are going to respond. But there's been so little evidence this season of that happening. 
And I think it just reflects how massive of a job this is to, to turn around a ship that, that seems to be sinking at the moment and sinking fast. And, you know, Lampard's a part of that. I think the players are a part of that. Todd Bowley and, and the new ownership are a part of that. And it's very difficult at the moment for me to give a clarified answer because it's very difficult to know what direction this club wants to go in. And um, more than ever now, you know, I, I think that the, the ownership needs to take a long, hard look at themselves and the decision making that has happened this season. And understand and grasp why it's gone so wrong um, and why so much money has been spent, but such little value for that money has been reflected on the pitch. So those are my thoughts. Uh, let me know yours in the comments below and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.